Well, a very good morning. You are very welcome along to the Gardening Show. Good morning, Porik. We're back in, studio, morning, back in studio today. Yeah, we did good. it was lovely. Great reaction to the programme last week. I had lots of people asking me about the hanging baskets that we did and, yeah. and all the plants that we featured. So, and lovely to get out, wasn't it? Oh, man. I'll tell you one thing. The most thing people were asking me about was the Pelram all week. And they were asking me about that barbecue as well. Uh, so the, the Pelram, it's a great thing. Great place to look all, you know, with this fantastic sort of vantage point to actually look and see your garden, right? But then you have inside, you have all those little facilities there. It's very yeah. good. Well, the Pelram structure, the, the unit that we're, we, do, we uh, recorded the programme in, it's a 20 foot by 10 foot garden structure. So it, uh, I suppose it allows you to enjoy the garden all year round. You know, yeah. I use it right through the winter period. You can sit out with the fire pit, with the heaters up on the wall. And of course, it's great for barbecuing as well on the, on the Big Easy. And you have it right beside the house so you can have the Spotify. Yeah, it's great. It's and great. you've good speakers in there as well. Yeah, and lovely to sit out and, and yeah. you know, view the garden and so on when it gets a little bit of time. But yeah, great interest to the programme last yeah. week. I think it's something we should do a little bit more of. Yeah. Go out and visit some of our listeners' gardens and, you know, just capture that moment and, yeah. and get those questions in the garden yeah. and look at some of the garden plants and so on. The other one of the other winners, of course, was the copper tape. A great reaction to that. Yeah. Um, so this was the copper tape. It was actually a tip that one of my team, Leonie, Leonie in, in, yeah, I know in, her well. in yeah, our centre in Turlock. Leonie's a, a great gardener. She loves growing her veg and so on, but she's got her hostas growing in really large terracotta pots and she simply puts the copper tape around the circumference of the pot and that keeps the slugs away. The slugs and snails get actually a, an electric shock very similar to get the static yeah. you get from your car in the summertime. Yeah. They get that kind of shock system. So it's an organic way, I suppose, of keeping your your uh, slugs and sails away from your hostel. But it's only suitable really for, if you know, something like a raised bed, a large pot, or something like the veggie pots. Just simply put the tape around the yeah. edge of it. Tradition used to be copper paint, didn't it? Well, anything copper, anything metal, particularly yeah. copper, and um, slugs pick up a static from it and it just works very effectively at keeping them away. Okay, what are we going to uh, talking about today? A couple of things. I, I did mention the nematodes last week and again, we got a really good reaction. So just to this weekend in particular is going to be ideal for listeners to put out the nematodes and just to explain what they are. Yeah, please. Because the, the weather conditions are perfect at the moment. We're up at 15, 16 degrees. The rain coming on Monday would be absolutely ideal. And nematodes come in two different types. So these are natural organic um, parasites that basically hunt out pests that are in your soil. So for listeners that are, say, growing uh, carrots, for example, or cabbage, or something in their tunnels, any of the root crops in their tunnels, the nematodes will basically kill off cabbage root fly, carrot root fly, leather jackets in particular. And we earlier on in the season, we had a huge amount of questions about leather jackets in the lawn. And a typical indication, if you've got leather jackets, you'll see the birds, the starlings in particular, feeding on your lawn and yellow patching in the lawn. And that's a sign that you've got leather jackets. So the nematodes are simply mixed in water. You apply them to the lawn area and that controls any leather jacket damage. But it's also very effective at controlling cabbage root fly, uh, carrot root fly in particular, chafter grub. So any of those soil-based pests in an organic and safe way. And nematodes can be used on vegetables, herbs, flower borders, beds, in tunnels, greenhouses, lawns, wherever. It also comes, the nematodes come in a slug, one specifically for slugs and snails. So again, if you want to keep your if your hostas planted out in your borders and beds or maybe some of your herbaceous plants, lupins, for example, slugs love them then the slug nematode works very effectively. Or for listeners that have potatoes in the ground 
and are plagued with the black slug, which is a specific slug that attacks potatoes, get yourself some of the nematodes, the slug and snail nematodes. Again, simply mix them in water and apply them to the ridges, particularly this weekend, and they start to work straight away. So basically what they do is they hunt out the slug or snail in the soil. They basically inject it with a bacteria and that multiplies, it kills the slug, multiplies within the body of the slug and goes on to uh, control more slugs and snails. So it keeps on working until the pests are basically eradicated. That's the way nematodes work. And many of the, the likes of Keeling's Fruit Farm in North County Dublin, they're using the nematodes now very effectively for the control of lots of various pests like strawberry um, weevils that affect the, the roots of strawberries. In And so they're a safe, organic, effective way um, for, for controlling particularly root pests but particularly slugs and snails. They also control caterpillars as well and you can use them on edible plants. They're safe for pets, children. They don't affect earthworms or any beneficial insects so they just specifically hunt out the pests. So and, they're the nematodes. And you, and you spray? You mix it in water yeah. and a watering can or a sprayer you apply it to the affected area. So yeah. say you've got a tunnel with a, a lot of carrots and root crops in it and you want to keep them protected you simply mix it up in a watering can apply it to the foliage and the soil and they start to work straight away. Okay. Simple lovely. as that. So there are the nematodes. Great reaction to those um, and, and there is a kind of a window when you need to apply them so this is the time of year during May when the temperatures are lovely and warm. We also got a bloom is, is coming up very soon so the first week of June uh, bloom is back in the park in, in Dublin, Phoenix Park. But this is the time of year if you want to recreate bloom in your own garden, if you want to add particularly herbaceous border plants. So I'm thinking of every time I go to bloom, it's always plants like the lupins are in flower. Lovely plants like salvias in bloom, alstromerias are always in flower. Uh, the Nepita Walker's Low, which is a lovely blue flowering plant. If you want to kind of recreate that summer colour, particularly cottage garden perennials, this is the time in May when we plant them. So in your local garden centre, you'll have beautiful lupins. There's a lovely range called Masterpiece uh, lupins, which only grow about a metre in height. So they're very compact, but they come in a whole range of different colours. And if you plant them now, they'll be in flower for the first, second week of June. And lupins are fantastic for that early colour. And of course, they flower every year after that. There's a lovely plant called the butterfly plant scabiosa which produces beautiful blue flowers right through the summer that the butterflies and bees absolutely love. These are all perennial plants Fave, that come back year after yeah. year. I generally recommend planting them in clusters and at bloom you'll see them planted that way in groups of threes or fives or sevens. So for example that Nepeta walker's low only grows about 18 inches in height but it'll spread up to a metre so it's lovely on banks and slopes. What's it called again? Bed. It's called Nepeta walker's low. It's in the Capmint family. Walker's low. Okay. Really easy plant. It's actually a better substitute to lavender. You know, the, lavender really isn't suitable for the west of Ireland. It's fine in a pot or container or if you've got a really free-draining soil. But the trouble with lavender is it dislikes our wetness in the soil, particularly over the winter. It's a Mediterranean plant after all. So trying to create Mediterranean yeah. conditions in the west of Ireland can be very difficult. So lavender is nice in pots, containers, raised beds. It often does well. But if you've got heavy soil, as most of us have, go for Nepeta in, in preference. It's a far nicer plant. It's easier to grow. It'll tolerate our wet conditions. Indeed, it loves the wet conditions in the west, west of Ireland. The only thing you have to do with Nepeta at the end of the summer is cut it to ground level and it pops back up again. And it's got this lovely silver foliage at this time of year. Mm. The blue flowers are just starting and it actually smells of mint. 
hence the name catmint. Yeah. So it's a very easy plant. Great for ground covering, great for covering a bank slope border um, out at the front of the bed. So that's one called Walker's Low in the peat and it's a really low growing plant. But I suppose really what I'm saying is if you want to get that cottage garden perennial look, then this is the time of year, this weekend. There's lots of those plants available, like lupins, dianthus, salvias, the nepeta I mentioned, um, rudbeckias, which is a great plant, um, alstromerias, which are lovely as well. Um, it's also this weekend, Viv, if people haven't planted tomatoes, chilies, peppers, cucumbers, those sort of glasshouse and tunnel plants, this is the time of year to start planting them. So don't leave it much later if you want to grow your own tomatoes this year. My advice is still to keep them in, at the moment, it's still a little bit chilly outside, but they're fine in a greenhouse tunnel, maybe in your conservatory or on a windowsill. But get them planted now because um, this really is the weekend to, to be getting them in. And speaking of fruiting plants, we're often asked about vines, about grape, grape vines in particular. And here in Ireland, grapes grow really well if you've got a greenhouse or tunnel. So you don't need any artificial heat in the greenhouse or tunnel but it's a, a lovely thing to grow there's a lovely specimen down in the Museum of Country Life yeah, you mentioned last week, in yeah. Turlock so they've got the black grape and, and the green grape there growing on a sloped glasshouse uh, right as you're going to the cafe area there in the in the Museum of Country Life and it does spectacularly well every year producing lots of fruit so once you plant a grapevine in your greenhouse or tunnel you have it forever it's a, it's a plant that just keeps on giving all year round. And if you grow varieties like Black Hamburg, which is Black Hamburg, which is the black grape, red grape, um, that produces fruit within about two to three years. And every year after that, you'll have fruit. And can uh, you have that you know, inside? No, in the house, if you haven't no, got no, a tunnel? No, 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 no. I mean, the, 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 the vine needs space. So, yeah. I mean, a typical vine will grow anything up to 10, 15 feet in, oh. in length. And then it has the side branches, which will grow another six or seven feet. So really a tunnel situation, a large greenhouse is really where to grow them um, to get really good fruit. And normally they're growing on the roof of the tunnel. So you plant it on the outside, you train it inside and up the bars and across the roof of the greenhouse. And of course they give great shade during the summer. So the, the actual plant is outside? The pl plant the root of it outside, preferably. Oh, yeah. Now you can plant it inside yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. But, but planting it outside just cuts down on the, the amount of water because when grapes are producing their fruit, they use a huge amount of water. So in July and August, as the fruit is maturing, they're sucking up a huge amount of water. So you, you need to keep them well watered if you have the root inside the greenhouse, but often it's better if you can plant it outside and train it in. Now, Either, either works. I've grown them both ways um, quite successfully. So they're grapevines. They're available as plants at the moment. Moment. If you want a green variety, probably the best one is called Thompson Seedless, which is a green grape, typical of, of your standard grape um, and so easy to grow. Uh, so they're the sort of plants. Again, the in terms of the veg garden, there's a huge amount of plants available at the moment. So again, start planting up the, the veg garden now. Even if you haven't got a large veg area, you can grow so many of the salad leaves, the herbs in pots, containers, raised beds. You can also plant out plants, particularly autumn uh, plants should be planted now like Brussels sprouts, kale, black kale is available, which is a lovely vegetable as a cut and come vegetable. It's one that you plant now and within six weeks you can start to harvest it and it, you can keep cropping kale right through the winter into the spring of next year. But all the lettuce varieties are ready for planting. Lovely cabbage called hispe to grow both in your greenhouse and out of doors and my advice is to plant both. Yeah. Um, and it's not too late for sowing the seed of vegetables as well. 
So if you're planting some of the plants, do that, but sow the seed as well. You can sow the seed of vegetables right up until the end of June, into July. It's still not too late to sow them and the temperatures are absolutely perfect at the moment. So lots of vegetable, really good radishes, beetroots, spinach, all of those plants are Brussels sprouts. They're all available to plant now, six inches high, put them into the ground and some of them you'll start to cut within short, as short as six weeks time. Uh, double begonias, we're often asked about the Double lovely... begonias. Yeah, so the non-stop begonias. So one of the plants I'm often asked about, uh, particularly for shade, if you've got a shaded area and you want something, maybe on your patio or in, in a part of your garden that's particularly shaded, yeah. one of the best plants to offer summer colour are the non-stop begonias. And they live up to their name. They literally don't start flowering, don't stop flowering until from June right through till October. So they're give colour for such a long period. They're hard-working plants. They're really good. Are um, they hungry-like? They're, they're very, very easy to grow. You liquid-feed them during the summertime, yes, okay. water them well, brilliant in pots and containers. They do very well in hanging baskets as well, but a particularly good plant for shade, uh, shaded area. Now, they'll grow in full sun as well, and again, they'll flower irrespective of the summer we get, whether it's really warm or really wet, they still produce a huge amount of colour. Um, and we're often asked about those. Uh, up to now, it's been a little bit cold to put them out but any yeah. time from this weekend on will be a good time to plant them and finally is the time to plant herbs so if you yeah. want herbs for summer colour um, or summer use then all the herbs are available like the chives coriander lemon balm which is a lovely herb mm. it's got that lovely lemon scent really simple to grow lovely in drinks you know, during the summer period and lemonade and so on, that lemon balm, such an easy plant to grow. Marjoram, they're all available. Oregano and, of course, the parsley and rosemary. And my advice, really, when planting herbs is to plant the ones you're actually going to use. So yeah. plant the common varieties and that you're going to use on a regular basis. Is mint a herb? Mint is a herb, but yeah, it's a herb that needs to be, needs to be um, controlled because right. it'll spread. So don't plant it into the garden soil. Always plant mint into a large pot yeah. and keep it separate because it, it produces underground stems that just keep on spreading. So yeah. once you have mint in the garden, you tend to have it forever yeah. because it's such an easy herb to grow. But lovely in, in um, again, in drinks, it can be used during the summer period. Okay. What I love about this show is we started off, say, in March and you're looking at all the different things and what you shouldn't do and what you should put out. This is a great time this year, isn't it? Well, May is, May, May is a time, you know, particularly mid-May, when the risk of frost is, is certainly has been greatly reduced. Temperatures are warming up. We're seeing those temperatures of 16 and 70 degrees. So growth is starting. Now, it is yeah. very late this year because we've had that easterly cold wind has mm -hmm. been around quite a bit. Um, you know, so, but temperatures start to rise now mm -hmm. and all the colour starts, to plants start to come into flower uh, from now on. So, you know, it's and it's a great time to plant plants into the garden. And of course, we've been telling people about different things since uh, since March and like people have put a lot of work into it. And now they're going to see the fruits of their exactly, labour. Exactly, from now on. And that's that's the beauty of a bloom. You know, bloom yeah. is always timed at the end of May, the first weekend of, of June. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just that critical time when so many plants are just coming in on the point of flowering or in flower. Yeah. And, you know, you, you get that lovely soft growth as well. Uh, at the end of May. Again, just a key tip, the rain is promised Monday, so feed your garden plants this weekend. So if you haven't given your shrubs a feed or your roses a feed, today or tomorrow would be ideal to get some fertiliser on. And for lawns, if you want to give the lawn a bit of a perk up and get a nice green colour, again, apply a lawn fertiliser this weekend. The rain will wash it in on Monday and you'll see the results within five to seven days. The lawn will have totally greened up again. 
Okay, Pete, look, is it okay if we take a break? I know we've loads and loads of questions. We're just going to try and squeeze now, to squeeze as many. You're going to be on a marathon run uh, when you come back. Let's do this, though. And you are very welcome back to the programme. Don't forget if you'd like to text us 087-900-4141 with thanks to Nature Safe by Hegia. Kind to nature and great for your garden. Now, I'm going to go to WhatsApp first because I've got yep. some beautiful photographs here. And the question is, hi, Porrick, I planted this bare root beech hedge last January. It's a mix of copper and green beech. It's doing great, thankfully, which it is. Uh, but I want to know, uh, does this need to be clipped this year? And if so, what time of year should uh, should it be done? Also, is it, if you feed it, could you recommend for that? And that's from a Loch Ray listener. So I'm going to just expand that picture. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, see, yeah. See. so the plants are actually doing very well. And beech... Meat or high, some of them. There. Yeah, beech has just come into leaf in the last 10 days and, and it's actually kind of struggling a little bit, just uh, not this particular hedge, but beech in general, uh, because the temperatures have been quite low. But this hedge is doing really well. The listener has planted a mixture of copper beech and green yeah, beech. You can see them there, Viv, yeah. against a fence. They're roughly about two or three feet high. There's no need to trim them just yet. Leave them alone. Give them a feed, so I would apply the Osmo Pro 6 on them now, uh, about half a handful to each plant, and reapply that in about six weeks' time, and that'll encourage nice, soft growth. There's no need to trim that hedge for certainly another two to three years. It's perfectly fine. So keep the grass and weeds away from the base of it, as the listener is doing already. The you know Just so keep it lovely and clean. Give it a feed. Repeat the feed in five weeks' time, <coughs> the Osmo Pro 6, and it'll be perfectly fine. Now, this one is from Maureen, and uh, she has a 40-year-old wow. monkey puzzle tree. Look at it. But look, just look at the garden. Yeah, lovely. Isn't it incredible? It's planted in a rockery, is it? Or yeah, in a, see, yeah. You see, the, there's a... Yeah. There's a what's that? That's a... Whatchamacallit? Water bush, is it? Or a compost, composter, yeah. Composter, yeah. And look at those lovely things. But anyway, so yeah, it is. It's actually pay, uh, grown in a rockery. You can see there's gravel around. Yeah. Now, would you, what do you have to do here with this one? Basically, it's all brown it's gone on bit, one side. Yeah, it's yeah. gone brown. So, so look at this, and we're seeing this quite a bit. We've we've had lots of questions in about evergreens in particular, where they've been damaged this year, particularly with the winter um, weather, and lots of browning, particularly on one side. And this this uh, monkey puzzle is showing signs of that. It needs a good feed, Viv. So I would apply again. Put on a tree and shrub fertilizer around the base would keep the fertilizer right out to the edge of the spread of the branches so right out to the edge of that circular area you can see the gravel there apply the fertilizer on top of the gravel and the so you don't need to take the gravel out. no need oh. no need whatsoever the the um fertilizer will actually wash Which, down what's through what's it called that fertilizer osmo pro6 use that osmo pro now it's quite a big tree so you want to be applying at least four or five handfuls and spread it evenly, and again repeat it in, in five to six weeks' time. So that'll just permutate or permeate down it, to... It, the yeah. rain will wash it in. The heavy dew at night and the rain will wash it in. And again, this weekend, a great time to feed the plants. Yeah. Okay, Maureen, there we are, Maureen, hopefully, because it's a spectacular garden. Lovely garden, And it's a yeah. spectacular tree as well. Uh, now, a listener has mare's, mare's tail growing in a gravel area and pathway. How do I control it as it is spreading each year and is a nuisance, David says? <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. Mare's tail, like everything else, has popped above the soil at this time of year. Um, it can be a difficult enough perennial weed. So, it, again, it spreads by underground stems and if it's not if it's not treated, it's basically going to keep on growing, even in gravel areas, and it can often come up through tarmacadam as well. So the treatment to use is Dicofar, which we normally use on lawns to control broadleaf weeds on lawns, but Dicofar is very effective at the control of mare's tail, particularly in this instant where it's growing through gravel or in a pathway. Um, so simply get yourself a, a tub of, uh, it's a liquid, you mix it in water, the Dicofar, 
um, apply a little bit of washing up liquid to the mix because that sticks onto the leaf of the mare's tail easier and it should kill it off within about seven days. Now you will need to repeat that probably again in July or early August as it starts to, to emerge again. But persistence is the treatment for and mare's tail. the more you do it, the more it'll permeate into the Correct. roots, is that right? Yeah, okay. so dicofar is the treatment. Again, this weekend with the dry weather will be an ideal time to, to apply it. Mare's tail is about eight, nine inches at the moment, so a perfect time to, to control it. Now, Pori, can you recommend a yellow flesh tomato variety? I have lots of red varieties, but looking for something different this year. And have you any tips on growing uh, tomatoes? Jane wants to know. Well, um, so tomatoes are, are very easy to grow. Like I said, this this weekend really would be the time to plant them. If you if you want to grow them, say on a windowsill, go for a short variety like totem, which is a red variety. If you want a yellow uh, flesh variety, Sun Baby is probably the best one. Sun, Sun Baby. Baby. So yeah. it produces literally full sized tomatoes, but they have this lovely yellow flesh, very very nice flavour. Sweet. Uh, very sweet. Um, tomatoes need to be kept indoors just at the moment in a greenhouse tunnel or conservatory or patio area. Put them out of doors about the second week of June onwards. Uh, Viv, I want to plant a new rose bed with some strong coloured roses that will flower until autumn and scent will be great. What soil preparation do I need to do first? Okay. And how do I care for my new roses? Well, Fiona, look at roses. Roses are hungry feeders because if you think about it, we, we prune roses back to within six inches of soil level. They have to regrow and put on two feet or three feet of growth before they flower. So they're plants that like a rich soil, ideally if you can put some compost and some fertiliser mixed together into the soil. So again, you can use a rose feed or you can use something like the Osmo Pro 6 again, mixed into the soil before planting. If you want something for good colour, there's a whole range of roses in the what we call the Precious family. So you've got varieties like Precious Yellow, Precious Ruby, Precious Orange, um, and they're particularly good. They're Floribund and Hybrid Tea roses. They'll come into flower in June and they'll flower right through until the end of the summer. Roses require feeding once a month. So for listeners that have roses in their garden, you're feeding them once a month and you're applying the rose rescue or rose clear again once a month. And it's a good idea to alternate those treatments so that um, you don't build up any resistance with green fly and so on. So as long as you're feeding them once a month, give them a treatment of the rose rescue once a month, they'll continue to flower till October. And then deadhead the old flowers during the summer as the flowers are beginning to fade, just literally prune off the old flower, the plant will regrow again and reflower again. And roses can often flower up, up until Christmas. Wow. So look for that selection. The what precious about climbing roses? We yeah, great time to plant climbers in general, not just roses. So you've got lovely climbing roses like Dance to Few, Galway Bay, Dublin Bay, Albertine. They're fabulous. And what I would do, if you, if you have climbing roses in the garden, introduce a couple of clematis, summer flowering clematis through them because the clematis will use the rose for support. It'll flower right through till uh, at the same time, right through to the end of the summer. And there's some beautiful varieties of uh, clematis available now. So if you plant them at this time of year, they'll come into flower from June and flower right through until October. So I'm thinking of varieties like Hagley Hybrid, which is a lovely pink. There's a lovely variety called um, um, Jubilee, which is a double flowering one. It's yeah. got literally pink and white in the flower. Um, Dr. Rupal is another variety. So a great time of year to plant climbers in general, Viv. Not just clematis, but honeysuckles and, um, you know, pyracanthin, lots, yeah. any of those climbing plants. 
Here's one for you. You might find this one interesting. I need a little blue in my garden. How about that? Feeling a little blue. I have lots of bright colours, oranges and reds, but love the colour blue. What plants can I plant now to flower this summer with fl blue flowers and something relatively low growing? I would love to have uh, bee friendly flowers. Okay. Do bees see blue? Well, it's funny that birds, the reason that slug pellets are, are coloured blue is that Birds don't see the colour blue, but the slugs and snails work in a, in a different way in that they're attracted by the scent of the plant. So they're, they're actually brought by scent. Hence, we have, you know, in, in generally in typical slug treatments, it tends to be bran that's used um, as the bait. But going back to the blue flowers, yes. uh, a low-growing plant... And do bees see blue, did you say? They do. Bees... Do they are, see blue? They, they, they don't see blue. They come right. in on the scent, the yeah. scent of the right. nectar. Okay, sorry. Um, so, so the plant I would go for is a plant called geranium roseanne, which is a ground covering geranium. It'll come into flower in the next two weeks. You plant it now, it spreads across the ground, so it'll grow about a metre in diameter, producing beautiful sky blue flowers, even darker than sky blue. They're kind of a deep blue right through the summer until early October. Roseanne as a geranium is actually a sterile, it produces a sterile flower, which means it doesn't produce seed, which means it flowers for such a long period. So that's one, certainly. The catmint I mentioned, uh, Walker's Low, would also be excellent for low, something low-growing, long-flowering and, and bee-friendly. Um, salvias, there's lovely blue salvia, uh, which again spreads across the ground and does really well. For banks and slopes, if you need something with, to cover a bit more ground, you've got Ceanotus repens, which is the ground co covering Ceanotus. That'll grow up to two metres in diameter and it's actually coming into flower at the moment and produce these lovely blue flowers as well. So there's lots, there's lots available. Now we've talked a lot about this, but I just wanted to give me a very quick answer on this one, Porik. Uh, the listener has a huge number of Leander hedges, but they've gone brown. It wasn't a particularly harsh winter, they say. Uh, like she's pruned as much of the brown off as she can yeah. uh, that, and that's it she uh, never had the, the, this issue before even in the winters of 09 no 10 which were bad winters there were but you see it's interesting that this winter was very mild from a yeah. frost perspective and snow perspective but what did we have we had three storms and what we're, we're seeing and I, I, I mentioned this weeks and weeks ago because conifers are very slow to show up browning so the damage was done back in February and March but it's actually only now that the, the, the full extent of the damage has yeah. actually been visible. So people will notice on their Lelandia and conifers, um, on the monkey puzzle that we yeah. looked at earlier, on plants like Pittosporums, Hebes, anything that was evergreen that was there physically in leaf during the winter got licked with the storm, that high wind. It literally, high winds will burn. That's why plants in seaside areas, you'll often get that browning yeah. after stormy weather because of the wind can scorch plants as much as frost and snow. Yeah. So yes, we had a very mild winter, we had a very wind, so feed, windy feed, winter. Feed, feed, so feed, look, feed. At, all it needs is a good feed. Trim it back. The listener's done the right thing. Trim back the brown growth. Give it a feed of, of a tree and shrub feed or Osmo Pro 6. Repeat that in six weeks' time and you, it'll throw up some new growth again. Okay, look. You know, so plants like Fortinias are going to be showing brown marks. Look, so if it's you not feed long. them... The main, I suppose the main thing is that people put a lot of time into these... Absolutely. You know, ...planting them and yeah, everything yeah. like that. And then... For that to happen, I know. it must be awful. That's nature. I know. That's nature. I know, but it must be awful. We'll put it down to climate change. Okay, so all we'll say then is feed, Give feed, them a feed. feed. What's yeah. the feed trim again? Back, trim back anything that's gone brown or yeah. damaged and give them a, a, a dressing of the Osmo Pro 6. It's Osmo a granulated feed. Yeah. If you've got pebbles or stones or you've got mypex on shrub beds, it still permeates down okay. through that. So you can simply just apply it to the pellets, or to the, the gravel, I should say, and it'll wash its way down. 
Just a quick one here. Uh, what is the best time to move a forest flame to a new location? Oh, in the they're, garden? They're, they're fabulous at the moment. They're producing beautiful uh, orange colour at the moment. So leave it until November. They do transplant quite uh, readily. So anything, any time from November through to March, you can move uh, Pierre's forest flame. Now, if it's in a pot, if it's in a pot, the listener doesn't say that, but if it is in a pot, you can actually transplant it now. So any plants in pots can be safely lifted out of the pots and transplanted into the garden soil. With forest flame, you need to put down the ericaceous compost and some ericaceous feed. But if it's physically planted in the ground, don't touch it till November. I have an edging tool like this to edge around the concrete footpaths and around yeah. the house, which are not curbed. Is there any other device, even petrol or battery operated, that is available to make this job a lot easier? And as using this one in the picture is very hard work. <laughs> and with the amount of paths I have. Yeah, that's uh, a half, what we call a half moon. There and there. the idea is that it, it's used to um, it's used to give a nice straight yeah. edge. And you just on put, the your, lawn. Yeah, put yeah. your foot. Yeah. Now, the way to, to, the way to make it easier is actually to get a a board, a, a, a plank of timber. Yeah. So a timber that's maybe six or eight inches wide. Yeah that you stand on physically and then use the half moon. So you use the, the, the board. But you to have to stand edger. on the half moon, don't you? You do. Yeah. But, but standing on the board and then pressing on the half moon makes it very, very easy to do. Rather than, I would imagine the listener might be using it just as it is. So you can on, use a four by two plank of Four by two, you, six or eight feet long. Literally put your stand up on the board, have used the board to edge the lawn. And keep and then, the straight line as Exactly. Well. And then use the half moon up and down motion along the board to actually create that lovely straight line. And, but is there anything, do you know of anything? Not that I've come across. No. Not that I've come across. We'll do a little research on that one for you there. We'll have a look and see. We'll go and see what's happening. Yeah, so that's a half moon. Okay, now it's let's a lovely move, straight edge. Yeah. I'll move on to something else here. Just moved into my new home and want to sow a new lawn this summer. Okay. There are lots of wild grass and weeds in this area. So what do I need to do to sow my new lawn? Uh, what lawn seed to use and what fertiliser to add? Okay, and good any question. Other tips? Any other tips? Yeah, so look, at this This is an excellent time for listeners putting in new lawns or indeed if you're repairing, if you have an area of grass that, that needs to be repaired, perfect conditions at the moment. Um, so this weekend, I would, if there's weeds and grass there at the moment, as the listener said, I would treat the area with Weed Free 360. So you mix that in a, in a sprayer, apply it to the, the vegetation that's there. That will kill it off within seven days. And then you can simply till the soil over, firm it down, put in a preceding fertiliser, lawn fertiliser, um, Osmo Pro 1. So that's a specific one for lawns. You rake that in and then you put on your lawn seed. Now, if you've got children and pets, go for hard-wearing lawn seed. Something like um, the green velvet would work really well. So uh, apply green velvet, rake it in. And if you can get that lawn sown in the next two to three weeks, you'll have a fantastic lawn by the middle of summer. You'll be cutting it about the first week of July. Now, this is one now. Beatrice. Uh, good morning, Beatrice. Uh, have lovely tomatoes growing in a greenhouse. They are different varieties and have flowers on. Some of the leaves have black spots on them. This happens every year and the plants turn yellow. I've tried cutting off damaged leaves, but it's spreading. I've tried not to, I've tried not to let leaves get wet during watering. Any good. advice would be welcome. And sorry for the long-winded text, no, Beatrice. Not at all, Beatrice. <laughs> is that, is that so tomatoes, tomatoes pick up various different leaf fungi. So blight, for example, it's too early for blight yet, but blight can affect uh, tomatoes because they're in the potato family. The key thing when growing tomatoes, like Beatrice says, is make sure that when you're watering, you're applying the water just to the soil or to the roots of the plants. You're keeping the leaves as dry as possible. Allow as much ventilation into the greenhouse. So keep the windows open, only close them on a stormy night or a windy night, but keep as much ventilation in. So you want good air movement in. 
in other words, cutting down on the conditions that uh, favour fungus growth. So those leaf spot of tomatoes, which, as Beatrice has said, produce these little black spots on the leaves at this time of year. They later turn yellow and fall off. You can get a, a fungus treatment, an organic fungus treatment, in your local garden centre ready to go. So look for that um, and, and you simply just apply it to the foliage of the plants and that will stop the fungal disease spreading further. But the key tip really is to allow as much ventilation as possible. Keep this as airy as possible around the tomatoes, not to have them too closely planted together. And when they're producing their fruit later on in the summer, start taking off some of the lower leaves. So you're, again, you're creating this air circulation continually around the base of the plants. And if Beatrice does that, feeds them, you generally start feeding tomatoes once they start producing their first tomato truss um, and again, feed them weekly. Okay, uh, this is a quick one for you. I replanted to irises two years ago and now right. I have lots of growth and no flowers. Will they flower again? Oh, they will. And irises, many plants do this. I mean, um, we often get questions on lilacs that are, are freshly planted and don't flower for a couple of years or hydrangeas are notorious for it as well. But irises, when you transplant them, they tend to do a lot of growing for maybe two to three years and then settle down to yeah. To, so you've, you've actually rejuvenated the plant. You've brought it from a, an adult back to a teenager. And it has to settle in and produce lots of growth before it, before it starts settling down to flowering again. So what I would do in this instant is maybe give it a high potassium feed, something like a rose feed would be ideal, or tomato feed. Potassium, by its nature, helps to slow down the growth and encourage flowering in plants. Um, but the irises will come back into flower. Okay, lovely stuff. Before we go to the break... Uh, any ideas how to keep mice out of a tunnel? Any ideas on that? Mice out of a tunnel. Uh, as Jerry Daly said one time, a good Jack Russell around the garden is, is, is invaluable. But uh, look at mice around, you can use the various, um, you know, the little traps and yeah. there are plenty of treatments there for them. Yeah, like mice will eat seed. You know, if you're sowing nasturtium seed or pea seed, yeah. they'll often come along and nibble those as well, so... You need something that's going to be... Would they eat carrots and... Uh, generally, the seeds of carrots are too small for them, but yeah. anything that's... Would they have to eat the carrot if it was... Oh, uh, I don't see why not. Yeah. I don't see why not. Okay, so... So... Mousetraps. Mousetraps. Normal, Russell. normal, yeah. yeah mouse okay. controls. Now, we'll take a break and we've lots more to, uh, when we come back and we've lots more questions to get through. We'll get through as many of them as we can. Now you're very welcome back to the final part of our programme and now we go straight to the questions here. Hi Porrick, my cornet apples uh, tree has all leaves and no flowers. Oh, well that's unusual. It should be flowering um, it should be flowering at this time of year so keep an eye on it. See if there are any flower buds so the buds will be quite distinctive. They'll be fat and round. Yeah. Some of the coronet, coronet, there's about 16 different varieties in the coronet family. These are the dwarf apple trees that oh, only grow yes, yes, about yes, six yes. feet high. They're perfectly pot, for pots and containers. Um, generally speaking, when you buy a, a coronet plant, you're actually buying a five-year-old plant. So it should come into flower in its first year. So just keep an eye to see, are there any buds in it, any flower buds? If they're not, it's not going to flower this year. It'll be next spring before it comes into bloom and you won't have any fruit on it this year. Maybe take a picture of it and, and WhatsApp it into us and we'll yeah. have a closer look. But as you say, that, that's very, very unusual. It's it? unusual for coronets not to flower in, in their first year, yeah. I'm yeah. surprised. I'm surprised. Here's one for you. Uh, bare roots laurels that were planted in January with the wind barrier uh, to protect them. Yeah. So they had a Good. wind barrier to protect Great. them. However, they've been eaten by rabbits, oh. leaves eaten and oh. the bark eaten as well. All around the stem, the plants still seem okay, but I put the barrier Great. into the ground, hopefully to keep them out. Great. And there are now there are over six hundred laurels around the house, 
affected. These can be up to uh, six or seven hairs in the lawn every morning. Some, them hairs. Big, some of them as big as dogs. In Claremore's Hollymeter, <laughs> any suggestions for I it? I shouldn't be laughing, but... but no, uh, I know. Yeah, I, just, so I have another one as well I just want to get this in. Uh, Laurel hedge set last November. They were in pots two feet high now, but leaves are gone off most of them and there's no sign of any Well, growth. give them a feed and they should kick back into growth, particularly if they were in pots, they should be well rooted. So, you know, it, it may be just down to the exposure of the the second question. So give them a feed. Again, the yeah. Osmo prostitutes would be ideal. What about the rabbit one but, or the hair one? Well, what you can... There's a treatment called grazers, which is a liquid... It's got calcium in it. So it uh, it's high concentrate of calcium, which rabbits, hares, deer, pigeons, uh, goats, of all things, dislike. Yeah. Dislike the flavour. Sheep. Sheep. It'll yeah. keep any any grazing pests, uh, pests uh, anim- animals off uh, your plants in the garden. What's so it called again? It's called grazers. It's a liquid. You simply mix it in a spray, spray machine. Make sure the spray machine is clean, that you haven't been using it for a week killer. So a nice clean spray machine. Uh, apply the grazers onto the foliage of the laurel hedge. Low down. Low, well, just cover uh, the foliage. The yeah, whatever, just, yeah. yeah, whatever height they are. They're obviously young plants and give them a feed as well and they'll kick back into growth. But the, the, treat, the grazers treatment will keep the deers from physically eating. They're probably eating a lot of the young growth in particular. Okay, and now, this we've answered this a few times, but just give me a short version of this Go one, on. right? What's the best way to kill moss in a lawn? <laughs> that old chestnut. I'm yeah. surprised people haven't done it already, yeah. but it's not too late. I mean, if you've got moss in the lawn, you can certainly use the zero uh, lawn wi- liquid. You, again, mix it in your watering can or sprayer, apply it to the entire lawn area. It'll kill the moss overnight, but it actually gives the lawn a lovely greening effect. So lots of customers use the zero even just to get that nice greening effect in the lawn. So the greening generally takes about six or seven days after application. So put the zero lawn liquid on, um, control the moss now and give the lawn a feed. And really the, the key is to get the lawn back into good condition for the summer. And then in the autumn, put it into the diary to treat the lawn over the winter period with the zero lawn liquid. If you but do it a couple of times. Right? The, the, the moss will grow and damp. Can, like that's, well, well, generally that's over the, the winter. Yeah. Yeah. Generally uh-huh, it, yeah. it, it spreads through the winter. Um, you know, so yeah, so get the zero on this weekend. Okay, now I set uh, Asarina about a month ago. It ain't doing well, says the listener. Oh well, it depends where the where the listener has it planted. Again, maybe just take a, a photograph of it and just send it into us on the WhatsApp, and uh, we'll have a closer look at it. Okay, what tip? What tree is good for boundary walls? And have you any tips for planting? Well, in terms of planting, the soil conditions are absolutely perfect at the moment. Um, literally just dig a good a good size planting hole. M- make sure that when you're planting trees that you put them down at the same level that they're in the pot or container. Uh, don't bury them too deeply. And it really depends what the listener is looking to achieve in terms of a boundary hedge. But you've got trees like Hornbeam, which makes a beautiful tree. Beech, if you've got plenty of space. Um, eucalyptus is an evergreen hedge. Evergreen oak, which again holds its foliage 12 months of the year. Portuguese so, laurel, my favourite. Yeah, well, that'd oh, be more tree, of a hedging yes. yeah. if they want to create a hedge. So it really depends on what the listener is, is looking for. You can get trees in what we call a pleached, a pleached tree, which is basically a tree like a lollipop. It's got a long, slender stem and it's got a square head. It's been trimmed to, uh, to create this kind of, like a fan or like a, like a hedge on stilts. And they're often sold for people, for customers that have maybe an overlooking window. You have a window looking in from a neighbour's garden, you want to block it off. The 
pleach trees work really well in that pleach, instance. Pleach, pleach. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not a type of tree. It's it's a method it's of a training. Of doing, yeah. yeah, of training like the tree. Bonsai or something. Exactly. Like that, yeah. So maybe if the listener again sent us in a picture of the garden in terms of the what exactly itself, yeah. what they're trying yeah. to screen off, um, but it's a super time for planting trees in general. Now, I, I, we, uh, this question we got before, and I think you came up with an answer, but we'll just do it again. Uh, Tarmacadam with sulphate of iron on it. Oh. <laughs> You're laughing a lot this morning. Patience, patience. The trouble with sulphate of iron is it stains the... the sulphate of iron, so to explain, is, is, is used for the control of moss and lawns. The trouble with it is if it gets on tarmacadam or paving slabs, it leaves that brown, rusty appearance it won't wash off with a washing up with, with a power washer so you just have to wait it it will fade in time um so sort of iron yeah that's it no there's no, that's no other treatment to, yeah. to unfortunately yeah i'm going to pronounce this but don't give out my is it c-o-n-t-o-r contortor is, is it yeah no? it says here con, it's a pine yeah, tree okay sorry uh 40 feet high all right so that's tall if i top them will they grow back no, sorry. So it's contorted pine. Yes, contorted yeah. pine trees. Um, yeah, so pine will respond if you take the tops off them. They will respond to pruning. So you can take six, eight, ten feet off the top of a pine tree and it will reshoot again. At this time of the year is Yeah, good. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do I do with tulip bulbs now that they have gone out of flower? I want to plant something else in the pot. Well, and this applies Sean to... and Shum. Okay, so this is a very good question because, you know, this time of year, daffodils are beginning to fade back tulips are, are some of them are going out of flower and beginning to fade back and as I always say you need to leave them for at least six weeks to grow on to ensure that they flower next year and if anything it's this is the time of year you're actually you feed spring flowering bulbs to build them up for next year now what Sean can do is actually dig up the tulips leave the foliage on them and replant them somewhere else in the garden so you can actually move bulbs in the green we call it in the green because the green foliage is still on them and it's a good time of year to divide them as well and you know split them up particularly if the clumps are quite thick and heavy so Sean can simply just dig up the tulips and replant them somewhere else and a little tip with tulips plant them extra deep I don't often say that with with, with, uh, plants but tulips are better planted at least six to eight inches into the soil they tend to do better so plant them a little bit deeper Sean when you're replanting them and just let them die back naturally where you replant them and give them a couple of liquid feeds. These ones, I think, these ones are actually in pots. I think so. That oh, and even better, take the, just go in just there lift with the hand in. take everything out. Yeah. What I would do is actually take the whole root ball and plant it into the garden somewhere, and then put in fresh compost ah. and replant the pots again. Okay, now, but there's no problem moving them, and that applies to snowdrops, crocuses, daffodils, tulips bluebells once they go out of flower you can lift them in the green separate them and replant them somewhere else okay how can i kill ragweed ragweed yeah yeah. coming up near a hedge um well look ragweed is 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 generally it, it actually you can pull it out very easily um, you know, I wouldn't be using any sprays or any treatments. Certain sprays will control it, but when it's grown close to a hedge like that, you run the danger of damaging the hedge as well. If it's only a small bit, um, re- literally just pull them out, take them out that way, or, or with a garden fork, just lift them out. I sent a photo a couple of weeks ago of a rhododendron with bulbs, but no flowers. Oh, You're lovely. Liquid, and this Do you is remember that? Yeah, look, look. This is the, <laughs> and fantastic. that listener brilliant. Said, look at that now. Isn't it hey, absolutely beautiful? You, you're better at me than me. So, so I think oh, this yeah. question came in three weeks ago and the listener, yeah. um, it's a rhododendron in a pot and it was full of buds, but the listener was worried that it wouldn't come into flower or what was wrong with it. And my, 
my but point Simon, was, by the way, Simon. So Simon, my my advice to him was a little patience and look at it. It's absolutely beautiful. It has come into full flower and um, beautiful red variety. So my advice, Simon, now is to keep it well watered liquid feed it with a nericaceous liquid feed and particularly with rhododendrons feed them during the summer months june july august because they produce their flower buds in the autumn for next year so how well they do during the summer dictates how well they're going to flower next spring same applies to camellias azaleas rhododendrons anything in that kind of um, rhododendron family john has been on there i won't give a surname there but look at that rock reel and he says what do you think of my lily Beautiful. So the arum lily, he's got yeah, the lovely look white arum lily in flower oh, um, and it's growing up through the, the pebbles, up through the paving. Yeah. Um, so doing really, really well. Again. What's that one over there? Now, that? that looks like a, oh, that's a cord line. Yeah. It's a cord, purple cord line. Yeah. Purple leaf cord and line. Is that lava rock there, is it? It's, it looks like lava rock, doesn't it? It's stone, yeah. It's just kind of, um, I'd say it's limestone, Viv, that's yeah. just placed on a bit of sporum there. So again, we're doing really well. The only thing to do is give them a, a little bit of a feed now. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't yeah. it? It's lovely. And again, where you have the pebbles, as in that garden, the fertiliser will actually wash through. So there's no need to put pulling the, the gravel back. Okay, I was listening to your advice on young beech plants. Should I feed my beech hedges that's uh, been grown for years and years? Uh, thank you, and I enjoyed the program. Yeah, look, if, if you've got a really well-established beech hedge, there's no need to be feeding it now. Um, I've beech at the front of my house for, for 20 years, and I don't feed it now. But as a young plant, it's important to feed them just to keep the growth, because beech is so slow anyway. So you want to be given a little bit of feed. Now, not overfeeding it. Yeah. Twice a year is enough. Feed it now. Feed it again in, in six weeks' time. But once it gets over seven, eight, ten years, there's no need to feed it after that. And what's that feed called again? It's called Osmo Pro 6. Okay, lovely stuff. Please thank Porik for the recommendation to get red profusion tomato plants. They're nearly ready to eat. Let's have a look oh, at this. Oh, look at this. And it's on, it's on a windowsill, is it? Yeah, it's on a windowsill. Or no, is it? Yeah, it is. It's on a windowsill, yeah. So red profusion is a, a low-growing variety. Look it only grows... Yeah, it only grows about 18 inches in height and it's, it's a variety I recommend and about two feet in diameter of it, so it's perfect on a pot. It will actually grow out of doors as well, but it's too early to put it out yet, so as the listener has it, keep That's it on Linda, the windowsill. Linda, by the way. Yeah, Linda, so keep it on the windowsill as you're doing. Everything looks really well. Start feeding it once a week now with a liquid feed and then about the second week of June, put it out into a sunny spot on your patio and it'll do really well out, out of doors. Yeah. Hi, Porik. Just wondering if my begonias are slow in coming up this year. I have them outside, but covered with a tarp. Great. And I just see small shoots coming yeah, yeah. through. Should I bring them back into the heat in the greenhouse for another while? If Thanks you can. Thanks for all the advice, says Pat. Yeah, no, if Pat can bring them in. Um, so begonias left outside, and they're obviously covered with, with um, plastic or some sort of covering. They should only be showing little buds at the moment because the growth is so slow this year. But if Pat has the option to bring them into a greenhouse, I would certainly do that. Keep them in for about four weeks and then plant them out uh, around the middle of June out of doors to flower from June then right through until October. And, you know, I did mention that begonias are great for shaded areas, but they'll grow in full sun as well. So if you want just a big splash of colour on your patio on a sunny south-facing area, begonias are fantastic. And you can save them then from year to year. You mentioned earlier about slugs I and did. the treatment of slugs. So this listener has them in a hall and uh, no. there are some flowers in it and they're even outside on the footpath. Is that the same thing will do it? What's it called again? Oh, the nematodes. Yes. Yeah, well, you could use that. Uh, you could use the nematodes. Um, there's also grazers. I mentioned it for the rabbits, but they do a particular one for slugs and snails, which is organic as well. Okay, uh, should I deadhead these? I have a photograph to show you now. I'm not sure what they are. Will they flower again? What are they, first of all? They're gems. So this is a lovely herbaceous 
perennial plant Viv, that comes back year after year. Lovely red flowers. They? And, and they will continue to flower. I would deadhead them. I'd take off some of the old um, flowers as they're fading. And the more you deadhead them, the geum, so it's G-E-U-M. Yeah. It's a perennial, uh, beautiful scarlet red flowers. So easy to grow. And um, it gives you that kind of cottage garden. It does. I think. But it same applies with any plant. You know, the more you deadhead it, Deadheading simply means removing the old flowers because you're stopping. But would the you product. do the, would you do the stalk as well, or just yeah, the just or the stalk as well. So you just know, maybe right down to the bottom. Yeah, it, yeah, go out maybe every two weeks and go through the plants and just deadhead any old flowers. Yeah. Again, give them a little bit of feed. It'll they'll kick back into growth and you'll continue the flowering then for such a long time. Okay, we've about a minute and a half to go, Paul, before we have to finish up. So let's let's recap on what people need to be doing this weekend. Okay. Very quickly. So look at it, if, if I suppose the key what I was saying at the start of the program is. If you're growing vegetables, fruit, um, and you need to control the pests, the nematodes, this weekend would be an ideal time to do it. The feeding of garden plants in general, again, I'd use the good weather to feed the lawn, feed shrubs in general. Um, the planting soil conditions are perfect for planting. So if you want that cottage garden look, like we see at Bloom, then rather than leaving it for a couple of weeks, do the planting now of lupins, the lovely the blue salvias, the nepeta I mentioned, Walker's Low, which is absolutely lovely, um, alstroemerias, they can all be planted now, that lovely blue geranium, geranium roseanne, great time to plant. Don't forget the veg garden. This is the time again to be planting your Brussels sprouts, your kale, the hispe cabbage, all the lettuce family that you're going to grow in the salads, beetroot, radishes, they're all available as plants that you can put directly into the garden soil. Herbs, again, this weekend, plant up your window boxes, your hanging baskets, your containers, or indeed plant the herbs out in the garden soil because many of them are perennial and will come back year after year and there's, there's a huge variety available at the moment. We mentioned hanging baskets last week. Yes. You can still plant up your hanging baskets, window boxes, lots of really good trailing plants available at the moment. It's a, it's a lot. I was in the garden centre this morning and it's an absolutely wash with colour. It's a lovely time of year for, for planting. And climbing plants, they feature today. So if people want to cover walls and uh, areas, this is a good time to plant climbing plants. You know, variegated ivy, that lovely uh, chenomelase, which is beautiful, red flowers, or this clematis that I featured, I mentioned earlier on, can be planted now. And keep an eye on the slugs. They are going to be problematic, particularly with the wet weather on Monday. Okay, Park, thank you very much. We'll have another gardening show for you listeners next week from nine o'clock. Thanks a million for your company. Thanks, as always, to Teresa. Thanks to you, Park, as well. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Get out there into that garden. The weather's going to be excellent for the next few days. Uh, look after yourselves till we talk to you again.